With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A small town in Australia's Northern Territory, no more than a dot on a map, was home to just under a dozen residents. When a 70-year-old wisecracking former cowboy vanished without a trace, the list of suspects wasn't long. Somehow, the perpetrator has managed to evade capture. This week's episode is The Unsolved Murder of Patty Moriarty. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. Well, we are introduced to this case uh, by the Duplass brothers. <laughs> love them and loved this documentary. Produced by them, directed by Thomas Tancred. And we went into it knowing nothing. And throughout and by the end, we were like, well, we have to cover this. This <laughs> yes. is so wild. It is one of the most captivating compelling twisty turny documentaries i've ever seen and it's especially given the literal landscape of where mm-hmm. this takes place it's uh, very the i like how it was framed in that it's like five chapters with like a prologue because mm-hmm. for a town of only 12 people there is so much information there's so much backstory that when we talk about crime in a big city and that there's all these major players oh well it's just a small town with only 12 people if someone is murdered surely someone would hear something know something be able to report it but it has spawned i have to also try to ask to solve this mystery it's spawned at least a book which is last it's just called larima it's called larima a missing man an eyeless croc in an outback town of 11 people who mostly hate each other by <laughs> caroline graham and kylie stevenson who also did the lost in larima long form podcast someone sent us this book i don't know who i don't know when but it was received in the mail i don't know if it was like the publisher or what but as we were watching this documentary i looked up the book and i was like i know that book cover and it, it was in the studio. So it is for only 12 people. It fills at least, you know, 300, 400 pages of this compelling book, a six part podcast series with bonus updates, a Duplass documentary. I think Australian, uh, the NPR kind of Australia has made a documentary. So we're trying to distill all that down into one episode. <laughs> thank you. If it was you who sent the yes, book, whoever sent the book, please let us know. We so don't remember who it was, but thank you so much. It certainly came in handy. And it, like you said, this is a for a town of only twelve people to have this much drama and just feuds, jealousy, gossip. At the same time, if you live in a town of twelve people, 
everybody knows everybody's shit. I mean, it's basically just a big family that their houses are spread out from each other. So (laughs) it's, but, and then given it's in such a remote part of Australia, which is already fucking scary to me, like (laughs) out in the bushland, just with nothing around you. The, I mean, the roads aren't paved. Of course, it's just dirt roads, Mm -hmm. wildlife everywhere. One hotel that's also the bus stop, that's also the pub, that's also the post office. I mean, you, and a store, and also, yeah, um, yeah, you could the, stay whole, there the for whole a while. meeting place for the whole yeah. town. It's it's wild that um, more people had not heard about this until kind of these people picked up this story and mm-hmm. ran with it. And now, you know, it's pretty well known, but I had not heard of this until we watched the documentary, and now. I'm pretty obsessed with this story. I know. I I, it's, I got way into it's reading this book. It, the absolute solitude that's out there and how they said at one point, if it gets so dark, you can kind of see the curve of the earth. I was like, you standing on the end. When I was a kid <laughs> and I watched the movie Never Ending Story and there's a big ass waterfall and all the shit falls off the end of the earth. I thought that was Australia. I genuinely thought at one end of Australia on the Pacific Ocean side, you know, the other side, thought not coming from the, the side you would come out honestly from LA in a plane. So that doesn't make sense. But I thought that was it. <laughs> I wasn't a flat earther. I don't know. I maybe the thought there was a hole going down there, but I was a little kid. So that's kind of a stupid thing. And boy, you hear that there's a sinkhole that could be five kilometers wide. And maybe I'm not too far off that quote appears yeah. out of nowhere and just takes you or the croc <sighs> thing we saw where the fucking all those crocs were out. Dude, <laughs> what oh, were we watching? The, oh, I can't remember the name. It's, Unfortunately, it spawned like all these TikTokers visiting to try and go across this stretch of sometimes you can drive across it, but then when the tide comes in, you can't. And all these saltwater crocodiles just hang out on the edge waiting for somebody to fall in or eating fish. And it's the amount of crocodiles in one space. When you see these videos, too much of anything is too many. They said, if you can see one croc, there's 20 you can't see. And in these videos, you see about 20. So I'm no mathematician, but that's anyway. like 400 crocodiles. Something. So many. So I don't many. know. I did yeah. zero math. I just literally yelled out a number that I thought <laughs> might be it. It's probably it 4,000. It's 20 be. times 20. Siri? <laughs> I feel like you double the two and add a O. So I do think it's 400. Okay. Well, you know, I'm gonna if go only there was a way that we could fact check that. But uh, no worries. Sadly, no there's worries. not. Uh, well, I did. I was also just reading about the bush and the uh, Northern Territory in this area nearby and how some like exotic game has been either let loose from zoos or accidentally got loose. So some guy in the bush thought he was shooting like a wild hog and it was like a endangered hippopotamus, oh. but, but he, but it was like feral cause it was out cause it had gotten loose and everything. So this is that part. It's not the, you know, you see the beautiful Sydney opera house or Melbourne when we've covered cases that are located there. We it's, this, this is ain't out it, of nowhere. This ain't that. This ain't that. We're out in this the is, never, never. It's at the end of the earth. The never, never. It's fall, it just falls off. And it's the curvature of the earth is where this is happening. A never-ending story. It's uh, it's amazing that on this planet, both the way we live and the way Larimer residents live are happening on on this the same rock because they couldn't be more different. But it's storytelling that is unites us all and allows us to hear stories like that. And this one is a doozy. So here it is. If you haven't heard of it before, 
we're trying to cover kind of all of it. But yeah, like Heather mentioned, all of those podcasts and books do an even deeper dive because you would think, oh, 12 people, surely that can be told pretty quickly. Oh, there's infighting. There's oh, jealousy. It's like Angela so talking about her cats. Infighting. There's jealousies, <laughs> bad blood. <laughs> like you can't leave them alone. I mean, it's true, but I, I have a, I, I've gotten a good feeling about this at the end. So stick with it because I, it, it gives me hope for humanity. So all that to say, <laughs> as we talk about the, uh, this wacky place, but it's, a, I mean, it's a real place and these are real people, and I think that's what makes it the most, like, a beautiful story of the friends wanting to tell their their missing friends Le- legend honestly because his nailing down where he's really from and who he is is hard so at least the legend of patty yes well i'm christy i'm heather and let's get into it prior to the arrival of the europeans the area in the northern territory of australia known as larima was originally occupied by the yangman first nations people for more than forty thousand years these indigenous people gave larima its name which translates to meeting place. During the late 1800s, the Northern Australian Railway made its way to the territory, eventually making Larima a bustling outpost during World War II, transporting soldiers and supplies across Northern Australia. During the height of the war, Larima was home to over 6,000 military recruits. However, once the war ended and the railway officially closed in 1981, the remote territory saw a steady decline in residents. By 2017, only 12 colorful locals remained. It's interesting to hear about Larima in the 80s when some of these players, uh, like you'll, we'll learn about Fran and Billy, they moved there in 1985. And some other, they were like in their mid-40s and they would have cricket tournaments, which they were like, it was pretty much just drinking and also there was cricket. And the videos from back then, it shows way more than just 12 people mm-hmm. having fun, running around. But then you juxtapose that with this sort of deserted looking, somewhat deserted looking wasteland of very isolated. It's for isol- sure. Fran is living in, you know, one of the residents ends up living in the old police station that gets shut down. Another is living in an old rail roadhouse that's shut down. So it's also odd because there's, there's people living there, but it's not like little houses everywhere. Cause it's like, Oh, I live in the bar. Oh, I live in the, mm-hmm. the old post office. It's, it's like wild. a ghost town that people <sighs> moved into and then kind of revamped, but it's still, has the look of a ghost town. Yeah. And when I didn't think about it either, that they said as cars got larger gas tanks, nobody needed to stop there anymore. And stopping mm. for gas was kind of the the thing. Well, then the gas station burned down. It doesn't get rebuilt because people don't really stop there. So then nobody stops there for any reason. And for the 80s and 90s, one of the people said, oh, it's kind of like a hippie paradise. You mm-hmm. know, there was a lot of us. We were taking care of each other, having a good time. But it's interesting how it dwindled, dwindled when there are so so many fewer people. So you really do need to stick together. And what happens is you turn on each other. It's when your pool of people that you see on a regular basis is so small, your world becomes so small. And therefore anyone you have a feud with, you see every single day. You don't have other outlets where you can go and like get away from people. You're miles or 
kilometers. Kilometers. Uh, so many kilometers. I had to look up so many conversions of kilometers <laughs> and miles and feet to kilometers. And Celsius Why don't we just all fucking use what the rest of the world uses? It would be so much easier for my job. Sure. But also for everybody <laughs> in the world. Like, yeah, why do we fuck it up? Why? That- because we're Americans. That's why we love to fuck things up in a different way. That Nate Bargetsy sketch on SNL is still killing me where he's like, we will use oh, feet. Yeah. And they're like, how many is that? No one knows. It's impossible, it's impossible to, tell. to tell. One uh, of the best sketches I think they've had in over a decade. So for real. But so yeah, you, your world becomes so small mm-hmm. and insular yeah. that it can go one of two ways. And it seems like either way is going to be super extreme. Mm-hmm. Either you get very tight-knit and close, almost too close, or mm-hmm. everyone becomes each other's enemy and it's just this gossipy town where Factions. you're in grudges are held and nothing can be let go. And But I mean, that's all you have. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not getting cell reception out there. Maybe you get a TV station. They never really mentioned TV. Uh, Bill was like, oh, I was the first one to get a TV out here. And it was like a big deal that he was the only one with a TV for a while. And now they have TVs, especially in the pub. But that's the thing is if the pub has the TV with the best channels and now you're fighting with the pub owner, you're ousted from the cool kids who get to go to the pub. Mm-hmm. And they said when when this new pub owner, Barry, the publican, had taken over, there was some sort of feuds going on. And he immediately went in a pub where from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, you know, people's pictures on the wall had gone through with a red Sharpie and was like Xing people's face off. Like you're barred, you're barred for, you'll have office six months. You're barred for this long. And people don't like that. And they're no. like, oh, you're going to bar me. I'm never coming back. And so now you have dug in people on both sides and it's it over something. Uh, one guy that is alleged to have stolen a Mars bar, which he says, cookie says he never stole a Mars bar. He's like, oh, I'd never stole a Mars bar in me life. <laughs> but that allegation 15 years ago, he's never been back to the only single place in town where you can get your mail and get a drink and see the you know football game that's playing you know from the big city. That's so isolating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's you're living, working, having relationships with the same dozen people mm-hmm. all within a square mile of each other. It's uh, it it's would a be powder a keg. Yeah. It's also just a lot of pressure to be like, mm-hmm. or, but if you're somebody who goes, I don't, you know, I'm a retiree. I don't really give a fuck what people think about me. Then if everybody has that attitude, <laughs> then. Then you get a lot of podcasts and a book and a documentary made about yeah. something that goes down. While their proximity to each other may have forced them to be close, the interpersonal relationships among the Larima dozen were rife with gossip, jealousy, and long-standing feuds. So when one of them went missing on December 16th, 2017, everyone became a suspect. Patrick Joseph Moriarty was born March 30th, 1947 in Limerick, Ireland. His birth certificate lists Mary Moriarty as his mother and no father. Journalists Caroline Graham and Kylie Stevenson, creators of the podcast Lost in Larima and authors of the book Larima, tracked down some family members who sadly had no idea Patty had been born. One cousin told the journalist Patty was likely fostered out to another family since he was born out of wedlock. A lifelong friend said in an interview that Patty spoke fondly of a mother, father, and several sisters, though he later said his parents died in a car accident. So it's kind of hard to tell what his backstory was. No one really. And Larima is a town that if you are a loner and you're kind of a 
a drifter, you, you it might attract you. You yeah. maybe you don't want people knowing your your history and your backstory, and then you get a lot of people like that, and suddenly like. Does anyone really know the truth about anybody that's there? Right. You only know what somebody has shown you, which is like, oh, he's a good mate. He lets me borrow his lawnmower. Like, he's all right. Versus you don't know what somebody had done for the decades before coming there. And even two highly trained journalists with the resources of uh, a publication behind them had to really track down. I mean, it was like sifting through tons of stuff, trying to dig out. And no, there were so many ends that they reached that were just dead ends that they were, they were like, okay, we drove 400 miles to this place from the seventies. Cause somebody told us for sure this was here. And then it's, of course it's like not there and bless them because a, a good portion of the book is fascinating of how as a journalist, especially when you are, you're faced with someone whose life is a myth and has been a myth. Mm -hmm. How do you even run down the truth? And what is the truth? Including people in town who are like, like you said, Barry Sharp, the publican said, yeah, I stopped in for a beer once and uh, stayed the next day and the next day and the next day. And then I decided to buy the place. So you're like, the, how did you, when was that? I don't know, probably 20, 30 <laughs> years ago. You're like 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. And so there's a whole decade in there. That so much Maybe time. who knows where you were. There's like every day is the same, mate. You're like, well, that's That's true. the thing too. When you, it is every day is the same and your routine is just so like, there's no variation in mm -hmm. it. You have no variety that your days do blur together. You're, yeah. you, it's hard to remember like specifics when it's like, well, I don't know. I walk the same dirt path every day. So it could have been Monday. It could have been Friday. It was maybe been 10 years ago. I don't know. Every day is the same out here. Now who gives a shit about a calendar or a clock? <laughs> yeah. No, you you live and die by the sun. True. The one thing they cared about was the news program that aired on like noon on Sundays and they would all come at noon on Sundays. So that was like one way to track folks. But if you didn't know what day it was, like you may not show up to that. Mm -hmm. Sinisterhood will be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Patty arrived in Australia's Northern Territory via ship in 1966 or 67 when he was around 18 years old. He spent most of his adult life working on cattle ranches as a gardener, cowboy, and general ranch hand. One of those ranches was located less than 1,000 feet from an aboriginal settlement in the Northern Territory, 186 miles, or 300 kilometers, from the nearest town. The book Larima describes the heinous living conditions for aboriginal people in that area, including the power imbalance in the sexual relationships between non-aboriginal stockmen and aboriginal women. Patty seemed to participate in one or more of these relationships. 
He told a handful of trusted friends he had seven daughters with an Aboriginal woman. A bartender in Larimer recalled to interviewers that a woman would sometimes call a pub asking for Patty, speaking in a manner he identified as that of an Aboriginal person. Each time, Patty pretended not to be there. And this is something that Graham and Stevenson spend a lot of time trying to run down, going to the ranch where he worked, confirming was he there. They found a bunch of ship manifests from all the ships that came from Ireland to that port in Australia. And Patty's name wasn't on any of them. No Patrick, no Patty, no whatever, no Moriarty. So they're also like, is that your real name? Is right. I mean, I think so. If it is, then who came on that ship and how did you get here? And did you use a fake name to get on the ship and why? Why'd but also, lie? how would you even know if it's fake, his fake name? Because his family did not even know he was born. Yeah. And so, it, he, yeah. I mean, there's no roots to even trace it back to. And some things I read said seven, some other things said nine kids. Yeah. So even that, it's impossible to know. So if you're one of those children, you have no idea who your dad is or really anything about him, which lends itself to like, part of your history, you also know nothing about. Yeah. You don't even, you don't get to trace that back and understand where you came from fundamentally. Mm -hmm. And that, and Patty had family that were kind of second, third cousins and stuff that they trace even to the States. But it's, it's a great question. Is it a Moriarty or that specific Moriarty? And they're folks that live in that area seem perfectly happy to be offline like that. We're Mm -hmm. unfindable. I think it's, you don't really ask questions. Mm -hmm. Everyone's there for their own reasons. When you're in a place that remote and isolated that lends itself to people that like to be off the grid, they might be loners. No one's really asking the hard hitting questions like that. You're not digging into people's past because maybe you don't want people digging into yours. Yeah. And I think you you just said something very prescient for when, you know, police and journalists show up. What happens? Mm -hmm. Around 2008, Patty moved to Larima. He worked as a hand at the hotel slash pub taking out trash, cleaning the bathrooms, and speaking to tourists in the role of an unofficial town concierge. In 2010, he bought a disused service station on the north side, just across from the town's Devonshire Tea House. This made him direct neighbors with the tea house's owner, Fran Hodgetts. Yeah, when he was described by uh, one of the search and rescue guys who would who serviced that area and knew him, he he was described as kind of like the Walmart greeter of the town. That mm-hmm. he was just out there, and he's uh, short in stature, gentleman with a big thick mustache, always wearing a cowboy hat, always got a, a quadruple X gold like beer in his hand, and is like, hey, everyone in the town has a beer in their hand all the time. In that documentary, it was truly, I mean, people would sit, get up off the cooler they're sitting on while yes, filmmakers right. are talking to them and be like, mind if I crack a cold one, mate? And just, I'm like, right there. <laughs> and that's the casualness of yes. this town. It's like, you want to talk to us? That's cool. But we're not going to change anything that we do. Yeah. It's like, this is how we do things around here. Mm-hmm. What, what? And Patty could, he was like that. He was just sitting at the same spot in the bar and could crack two whips at the same time. I bet he got such, I mean, I don't bet, you know, he got such a kick out of the tourists watching him oh yeah and when graham and stevenson tracked down to a place he had worked near before it was called the heartbreak hotel it's like uh, about 400 miles away and said oh yeah well he, they said while he was here he was kind of the same kind of a ranch hand could help mow water things and that he got a real big kick out of taking a fake gun and when busloads of tourists would drive up he would jump on the bus and be like all right give me your wallet <laughs> 
then they'd scream and he'd be like, oh, it's fake. Just and kidding. It's like, <laughs> like God damn. <laughs> but they kept, yeah. Everybody would be like, he's a larrikin. Ah, he's a larrikin, mate, which we had to look up. And it's a person who's like boisterous, kind of a bad boy, likes to kind tell. Kind of a lad if, if, yes. if you're uh, in the UK or what would that be in American terms? Um, Honestly, you know, I don't think frat boy because that's a bit different. Not a douchebag because he wasn't that. It was like he was a very colorful, cheeky character who was a bit mischievous. He yeah. liked he liked um, to get into trouble. He liked to pull pranks. Oh yeah, he was loved by many, but also hated by many. You know, it was he had a very polarizing personality where you either loved him or you hated him, and honestly, it depended on like. Were you on his good side or his bad side? Yeah, and they said he was really close with Barry, the publican mm-hmm. who took over besties. and was willing to throw people out. And so, yeah, I imagine if it's one of those, well, if you're cool with Barry, you're cool with me. And if you're not, then you're not. And mm-hmm. and in a town where there's only 12 people having those like hard running, like either loyalties or feuds, it's just extreme feelings like that, as we'll see, I think, met out extreme results. Mm-hmm. Patty lived alone with his dog a 12-month-old red Kelpie named Kelly. He spent his days in Larima, which consisted of the same routine. He would wake up and walk Kelly around the rubbish dump before stopping back by his place. He owned a red Honda quad bike with a platform on the back for Kelly. The pair would ride to the pub where Patty would perform work for Barry Sharp, the bar's owner. Uh, the footage of, I think his name so is Dez. Cute. Well, I love, Ke- Kelly is the cutest dog. She's Aww. so sweet. But the dump is, folks from around dump stuff there. So it's not just their dump. And showing the search and rescue guy, Dez, who is the one that gets up off of his cooler and cracks the beer in the middle of it. He's like, hey, we got all kinds of stuff out here. And there's a refrigerator. And he's like, you got to open this up. You know, there could be something in it. And then it opens up. Uh, he's just walking on the dump. Opens it. There's like a rope, sort of fashioned, almost like in noose ways. He's like, ah, you probably don't want to touch that <laughs> you already did man <laughs> like what else is out here bud and beyond just refrigerators with ropes you got crocodiles you snakes. got so many snakes <laughs> spiders the size of dinner plates God kangaroos damn. just fighting everywhere it's the australian outback might be my biggest irrational fear because I have full control over not going there. But I <laughs> talk about it a lot I, more than this I, episode. I've never been to Australia. Want to go so bad. Honestly, want to go visit like a place like Larimer because oh, yeah. I want to see what that is like. It's, you know, I mean, it's so different from how we live at the same time. Totally terrified. Yeah. The thing is, once they said a sinkhole is five kilometers across, I can't do it because no. I I can't run a five kilometer faster mm-hmm. than a sinkhole can happen. You no. know, sinkholes are like immediate. And so, so unless you have the power of flight, you're no, fucked. Not you're yet. just going, you're going down with the hole, man. Seriously. And nothing you're is around to save you. No. Your best hope is grabbing onto some 50 foot snake that happens to be on the outskirts of the sinkhole and maybe using it Rapunzel style to, to crawl up out of there. But that's very unlikely. I shouldn't be stressed out because if I'm there, I'm already at the edge of the world. Falcor is going to swoop in and save me. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. I'll be all right. If I can be irrational of thinking of myself into it, I can be irrational thinking myself out of it. But uh, the whole And those you, are words for all of us to live by. There you go. No matter where you live. <laughs> 
In the afternoons, Patty would buy and drink around eight beers before retiring home in the late afternoon or evening. He was such a frequent visitor to the pub that he had his own seat to the left of the bar. His house was kept immaculately organized with a spot for everything. A man of routine, Patty always dressed in similar outfits, khaki shorts, flip-flops, and a baseball cap or cowboy hat. Self-conscious of his baldness, Patty was very careful not to go anywhere without his hat. Some friends told filmmakers they didn't even know he was bald because he never went anywhere without it. When they asked Bill about it, he goes, bald, bald, bald as a battling bowl. <laughs> <laughs> but really, other than the missing person flyers, there's no footage of him without that cowboy hat. I mm-hmm. mean, it's... To the point where it's kind of like an off-white color, but the sweat stain around, like, you know, where it meets your head looks as if someone has just taken a brown band and put it around. It's yeah, it's yeah. part of the hat now. From far off, it seems like it's a piece of leather. And then when mm-hmm. the photo is close up, you're like, oh, that's just a stain. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, otherwise, was maybe used to be a white hat. But this the description is, you're right, though. The picture of him on the missing poster is like, I think his passport or driver's license photo. So you, know, you can't wear a hat there. But every all the footage of him, Australian Broadcasting Company came out like in 2011 and did some interviews with folks. Every second of that footage, him on camera, he's mm-hmm. got a hat on. Every picture of him, any, you know, candids of him in the background, whatever. It's not just like he was posing and put a hat on. It's like, wake up in the morning. They said he'd always wake up, put his hat on, keys on his side, wallet in his pocket, period. Like, that's his, that was it. It's like when my brothers were in high school and I was in college. And for years, several of their friends, like, never knew that I was I existed <laughs> like, like they knew that they had a sister, but it was like a snuffleupagus type of situation. <laughs> like, did she exist or does she only exist when Zach is around or like, Kyle? Because I was, I was, I didn't live in the same area. Right. Yeah. You just would never, you take it for granted. You never know. It's even myth. there. <laughs> She's a myth. It's like a cryptid. <laughs> And then they met me. They're like, oh, God, no. The myth is real. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, she is everything and more. Yeah, yeah. Bar owner Barry Sharp called Patty. Good night, you happy-go-lucky man. And said Patty seemed to love living in Larima. As one of just a dozen residents, Patty had been interviewed by journalists reporting on Larima in the years before his disappearance. In a 2011 interview, he said of the town, Oh, I love it. I I don't mind it. Good, yeah, I come up to the pub here, have a good drink, meet Barry, all the locals. I won't say too much about everyone. The interviewer then asked Patty how everyone got along, to which Patty replied, They don't. So this was a big kind of reveal in the documentary, because it starts off with, like, this small town. Everyone's talking fondly of people, and then... It's like any good documentarian, it pulls you in and then kind of slowly unravels that, oh, everyone hates each other and has a huge issue with each other. And you mean your ex-husband has been living in the trailer next to you for the past 40 years and you don't speak? How is that even possible? And he's friends with a guy that lives across the street from you that you literally open your blinds and you could probably make eye contact with him as close as it is across the road. Granted, it's a highway where people probably go, you know, 80 miles an hour. But if you know there's no cars out there passing that often. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. like within spitting distance is a person that uh, 
you you somehow get to be you know, as best friends with your ex husband. So maybe you don't have a good you know good attitude about and that you also hate. Yes, and it's it's quite shocking because uh, everybody's like, "Oh, Patty was a load of fun. He loved. He's so great. He's so he's a legend. Everyone loves him." And then you watch this interview with him, and he's like, "I hate Fran. He calls her <laughs> an old mole. He calls her a gas bagger, and he calls her a cunt." Like right in do, 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 succession, yeah, succession. In a very it was, like it was one. It was it's what we call the a trifecta. He really yeah. nailed all three of those. It's the father, son, holy spirit of insults right the, there. A mole, a gas bagger, and a c word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amen, man. It's a uh, but, and then it starts to come out. Oh yeah, he was a good good lad. Um, but everybody, you know, also kind of hated him and he was, and kind of was dick, tired though. of shit. Yeah, you're like, oh fuck, what? So you you thought everybody was like cool with his antics, and then you're like. Nah, I get it though, because yeah. if I had to be around the same person every day, all the time, with no break, that was always having antics and pranks, that would drive me bananas. And you oh, can't yeah. just drive into town because it's 400 kilometers away is the next town. So there's no escape unless you're like, well, I guess I'll just sit in my house by myself and seethe while the other 11 people go down to the pub. Well, and the way that uh, Caroline Graham and Carly Stevenson describe it, it's you can hear everything. So even yeah. if you're in your house, if somebody's hollering up the street, you may not hear exactly what they're saying, but you're like, ah, they're going on about it again. Turn the fucking TV up, or yeah, because you can't. Or you're like, are they talking about me? Put your <laughs> ear. I mean, everybody's just so up in everybody's business. Is somebody who likes people out of my business? Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I just could yeah. never live in a place where it was this small. That's the thing is, I like to think that I'm like open hearted and accepting of everything, but I am a Scorpio. And to the extent that's relevant, if someone does something, I'm like, that's it. We're done. We're done. (laughs) Yeah. You can't, you can't, you need to be able to have separation and, you know, get some distance from people if you need. And it's just not possible there unless you're like, well, I'm going on a month long vacation holiday Mm. so I can get away from Patty. Which they would do sometimes and, like, leave for long stretches, but that does suck that, like, the only way to have peace is to be away from where you want to live mm-hmm. and you like it and you otherwise would choose to live there. Uh, but they, it uh, seems like uh, the type of folk that move out to a place like this are set in their ways and you can't convince them of other stuff. And then especially if somebody else that they fucking hate is trying to convince them of something, they're like, I'll stay longer. I'll die here right now just to show you. <laughs> oh, and I, yeah. The vibe is great. <laughs> dug in a lot of uh, dug in toxic feuds. But yeah, if you're kind of an outlaw, this is the type of place for you to be. Then that's what they asked one of the police officers, the the investigators like, oh, well, can you describe Larima's relationship with the police? And he's like, they don't really need us. They just, he's like, they're just down there. They don't really call us for anything. Nothing really goes on in the 2011 interview. Or thing. does it? And yeah. they just don't call you for anything because- They've all had a town meeting and decided we will handle this internally. It seems just like, hey, whatever. He was just like, they call us or they don't. And one of the guys said, well, the head, in the 2011 interview footage, Carl, one of the guys that is his family owned a couple of things and sold them off and stuff. But he said, well, there hasn't been a murder here or anything yet. And you're like, well, that's very prescient <laughs> and very eerie to look yeah. back at later mm-hmm. because it's uh, when the town dwindles, when people's resources are gone, when their choices are gone, then they start to get forced into actions and behaviors that they might not, not otherwise take. It's a real Lord of the Flies situation. It's, it's getting there.
Known for her exotic meat pies, which, according to Fran Hodgetts, put Larim on the map. The tea. <laughs> that was a good impression of that Fran Hodgetts. That was perfect. No, it was great. We I want to acknowledge, and I want to acknowledge, obviously, Heather's Australian accent, superior to mine, which is not even probably. Everyone in Australia is like, she. where is she from? It's hard to tell. We Tex, Tex, Texas, England. Texas England, <laughs> like it's just weird. So, but I'm gonna keep it up because I'm having fun doing if you it. Like that it, was a, continue. That on. was a great Fran Hodgetts impression. Uh, and also, I want to go on record saying Australia has the best accent of anywhere in the world. I was listening when I was listening to Lost in Larima, Kylie and Caroline's um, voices and their accents. I was like, oh, you win. This is my yeah, favorite. For but sure. Fran, I listened to a lot of audio of Fran and a lot of these people because I like to do it not just an Australian accent, but kind of a little bit sound like them to the extent I can without you know making fun of them because I genuinely you know care about what happens to all these folks. Mm-hmm. But um, we don't really quote her that much. So I was like, I'm going to put all my oomph into this. Well, <laughs> you you did it. You nailed it. Well, Fran was furious when pub owner Barry began selling his own meat pies. Fran was offended and felt Barry was in the wrong for inciting competition. Not a fan of Fran, Patty seemed to relish in her resentment, fanning the flames whenever possible. There's probably like 10 different interviews with Fran on camera, on audio, whatever. And in every one of them, she's like, my pies put this place on the map. Mm-hmm. She said, nobody, nobody in the Northern Territory is making pies. Nobody but me. Nobody. <laughs> like, nobody. you can't prove it. But I love no, it that no, she's I, insistent. She, I, uh, it doesn't matter that she can't no. prove it. You don't argue with Fran. If no. she says it, you take it as gospel. What were the meats when, because they just kept saying exotic meats. And then at, at some point in the documentary, they show a sign with the specific animals. And we were both shocked to learn those were the animals that were being used. And now I can't remember what they were. Crocodile pies, crocodile meat, buffalo meat. She, yeah, those were the ones I remember. I thought thought that they were more shocking than that. Let me see if there's... Because those don't shock me that much. But also, oh yeah, they have 12 residents, but really um, 13 because they have a pet crocodile that lives in a little enclosure behind the bar camel. and Barry just goes out and feeds. That was it. It was camel. It was Thank camel. You. Camel. Uh, she said camel pies and uh, crocodile pies. And yeah, crocodile, they call him Ray Ray. He, they named him Ray Charles because his eyes, he's missing eyes. So they have to feed a crocodile that can't see. And mm-hmm. what a task <laughs> to put anything near the mouth of a croc that can't see what's the difference between the, the food you're feeding it and your arm. So you got to hold stick. it on a long stick and then you put stick. a raw chicken or whatever they're feeding it on the end. And uh, he's still got his sense of smell. So yeah, I guess knows. that's how he find Ray Ray can find it with his no. little snout. Yeah, he can find it. But yeah, hers is a – and she proudly said, camel pies, crocodile pies. I'm the, she said she was the first one to put camel and crocodile together in one pie. The CNC. It's the old CNC music factory. <laughs> CNC meat pie factory. <laughs> Sinisterhood will be right back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Siding with his friend Barry, Patty began bad-mouthing Fran's pies to travelers passing through. He even went so far as to put a sign up at his house, encouraging tourists to spend their money at the pub rather than Fran's. As Patty lived across the street from Fran, this slap in the face was a daily reminder of her and Patty's tumultuous relationship. And if he's acting as the Walmart greeter of the town and he's kind of fun and charismatic mm-hmm. when tourists come in and they're paying 13 to $18 per pie just because it's expensive because you're way out in there in the also, bush. Also, I, I don't know the rate of camel meat these days, but that seems over here, that'd be like a $5,000 pie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They're, that. they're probably more like uh, prevalent over there, but still that's, and also getting shipments in yeah. to a town that small and it's the only place to stop for hundreds of kilometers, like it's going to be a markup. That makes yeah, sense. A, a beer was like $13. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And they're like, well, it's out, it's out of town prices or bush prices. You're kind of known that you're going to pay that much. So for her to lose all that many sales, I would be real pissed too. And it's a nice professional sign that Patty put up that was like, do not eat the pies here. And bless Fran. She's somebody's grandma. You know, she's an older lady. She was trying to make her own signs and they look a little bit wild that if you were a tourist and had you not been told by a you know a nice guy with a mustache and a couple of whips like oh yeah you want the right pie go to that one you might mm-hmm. go to hers but because you know it was already kind of strange looking and you have this you know very charismatic character going she's gonna poison you with her pies <laughs> which he would say or he'd go there's dog shit in those pies and there's oh. dead dog in those pies and like make these outrageous claims just to be bitchy because he didn't yeah. like her no yeah and he's also good friends with her ex-husband who lives right there too, who Batman and his story is a whole other. He he's he had just had in his interviews, part of his tongue removed from tongue cancer. And so it's, he's hard to understand. His nickname is light can because he drinks just so much beer all of the time. He looks like he's hard down on his luck and he speaks of Fran like she's the only woman I've ever loved, you know, and it's like because she's the only woman you ever really knew, you know, I mean, they they live there and then they divorce, but they still live like within 10 feet of each other. And then you see them every day. Imagine you have to see your ex who you're on bad terms with every day. Yeah. I would walk right to the edge of the earth and just (laughs) jump right off because I can't imagine how awkward and just constant uh, reminder of pain that, that, you know, and then you've got this, your asshole neighbor that you don't like is also friends with him. It's just this circular, insular, like everybody hates each other and gossipy and nobody can get along and everyone's got a reason to be mad at somebody. Yeah. And Patty cut the penis off of a dead donkey and threw it at her house and then told everyone, oh, there's those are donkey dick pies and do- and laughing and cutting up and thinking it's so funny. And like, and also, let's just pause for a second 
and how unhinged that is. Yeah, yeah. It's but out you're the, the type of person that would but. find a dead donkey and be like, I'm going to cut its dick off and then throw it at my enemy's house. That is unhinged behavior. It, it's it, to hear the cop go, well, nothing really goes on down there. It's like that you're being called about because <laughs> you then see what happens when everybody, and I'm not saying like, oh, they need a police station in Larima, but it's sad to see, oh, man. You are all each other have. Like you mm-hmm. are, like you said, it's a family and you could choose to act like that or you could choose to throw donkey dicks on their yard. And maybe that's just the way of the bush. You know, <laughs> it's things are wilder out there and people don't get as upset or things are, it's, yeah. it's wacky. These are, you yeah. know, we're all, these are just like wacky antics, but it's a good way to put it. The way wacky of the bush. antics can also lead to a lot of real world problems, real anger. Yeah, for sure. December 16th, 2017 started out like any other day for Patty. After walking his dog, Kelly, around the rubbish dump, the pair headed to the Pink Panther pub, Patty driving his quad bike while Kelly perched on her seat in the back. After enjoying his standard eight beers, Patty headed out for the evening, indicating to Barry he would be back in the morning to borrow his lawnmower. He and Kelly then left the pub on his quad bike. When Patty didn't show the next morning, Barry clocked it as odd, but didn't think much more of it. It wasn't until that evening, when Patty didn't come down to the pub for their nightly rounds of drinks, that Barry decided to pay Patty a visit the next day to check in on his friend. Barry visited Patty's property on December 18th, noting that Patty's car, quad bike, and wallet and cash were all at his house, but there was no sign of Patty. Two nights prior, as Patty was leaving the pub, A tourist had given him some chicken to take home for Kelly. Now, Barry could see the chicken was still in the microwave, almost as if Patty had begun to prepare it for his dog, but was unable to complete the task. Perhaps most suspicious was the presence of Patty's hat, something he never left home without. Still, Barry chalked it up to a fluke, decided against calling the police. The next day, when there was still no sign of Patty, Barry, now worried, called in a missing persons report to the authorities. Is kind of endemic of their friends. It's like, oh, well, I'll see you later. Oh, I don't want to bug him. I don't want to go over there and ask him where he's at. But it does beg the question of, I guess it was just a lazy Sunday. You know, everybody's hanging out. You don't worry about it too much that it was so long before any authorities were contacted, except to know that they didn't really ever contact the authorities for anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, and that's been one of the the main things that's pointed out in this case is had the police been called sooner, would there have been a different outcome? Because by the time he was last seen to when they're called in, it's three days in a town of 12. When you see everybody that lives there every day, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's that small. And especially Barry and Patty, you know, they were besties. They saw each other all the time. They spent a ton of time together. If I had not heard from you and you had planned on coming by to borrow something and you didn't show up and then I went over and things looked out of place, I would certainly call the cops. But again, this is the law of the bush and people out there just don't get into each other's shit. Well, a lot of times they do, but then sometimes (laughs) it's like, well, it's not my business. Maybe he's just out for a walk, but I don't know. Like, where could you go? 
You know? That's, yeah, exactly. Especially if his car was there and his his four-wheeler was there, his quad bike, they call it. I'm redneck. I'm like, they kept saying quad bike. I was like, that's such a fancy I way call to call it. a four-wheeler. <laughs> four-wheeler. Uh, but anyways, but his four-wheeler's there. Everything was there. And Karen, who is uh, another the one of the newer residents that her, uh, she and her husband recently moved there, she said that she also went after Barry's like, I went to go look. And, you know, it's kind of weird. It's like he hadn't been there. And she said, we always knew his back door was open. And so we went to go check on him. But it's just one of those things where I think everybody you go oh well he'll turn up like your Surely brain never could have happened yeah your brain doesn't essentially like immediately go to the worst place and she just said that search like walking through his house was the eeriest thing that she's ever done in her life because everything was where he would set it if he was going to go to bed or like at mm-hmm. home like where his hat would get set next to his wallet next to his keys next to his key card and then all of his the things that he would take if he was going to go out for a walk like the mozzie spray you know his bug spray everything was all set exactly and then the package from the chicken that they had given the dog was just sitting there. And so it, it's that creepy feeling like we talked about with the the Chris Reagan case where his apartment was in a st- stasis. Like he was in the middle of doing something mm-hmm. and was kept from coming back to it. Not, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to lock up and close up and be gone. It's like the no. window's open, the fan's on, the TV's on, whatever. So she just said she felt such an eerie feeling and she said it was the worst thing, worst moment of her life yeah. and she doesn't ever want to do something like that again. Yeah, his life was... Was clearly interrupted in the middle of him living it mm-hmm. and everything remained the the same mm-hmm. and the dog also was nowhere to be found yeah which was a, another big red flag extremely unusual not wanting to wait on the police to begin searching for their friend fellow larimer residents searched on their own combing the familiar past patty was known to routinely walk then on december 21st Six days after Patty was last seen, search and rescue, police, and the tactical response group arrived in Larima to canvas the bushland. And I saw an interview with Thomas Tankard where he said they didn't even get to cover. It's a two-hour documentary, and they still couldn't cover everything. But a monsoon happened between when the call got in for Patty and the police were able to come. So now you have the wet season in Australia. It's 100 degrees during the day, and then all of a sudden it's this massive rainstorm. Shit floods everywhere, washes away, and then the police are able to finally come and search, which does not bode well for trying to find remains. No, or any type of evidence Mm -hmm. that may have been washed away. Two days after the search began, it was called off on December 23, 2017. Given the unforgiving climate and terrain, authorities determined it would be impossible for Patty to still be alive. Over the next few weeks, Larimer residents were interviewed and two more searches were conducted of the area, including the rubbish dump. Animal shelters and local veterinarians were also encouraged to call the police if they came across any dogs resembling Kelly. Still... Nothing. In a town of 12, no one seemed to know what happened to Patty and his dog after leaving the pub that fateful night. And the, when the police all came on Christmas Day to do the first round of interviews, they were sitting everybody down. And, you know, you have to you're a cop, right? You have to be like, did you do it? And everyone's like, fuck you, copper. I didn't do shit. Yeah, <laughs> but, the, yeah. but it was Merry like, Christmas. <laughs> yeah, get the fuck out of here. But the, to the point where the cops were interviewing them and they're like, yeah. And then Dave went over there and they're like, who's Dave? And they're like, oh, yeah, the guy who lives on the edge of town, Dave. And the cops are like. <laughs> No, we didn't know there was another person <laughs> named Dave. And they're like, hey, he lives around Beck. And it's just, there's a whole like other the guy person. on the couch. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, everybody <laughs> knows Dave. Like, and it's like, 
We don't because no, we y'all are here. way re- removed from the rest of the world out here. But it's something that they take for granted. Yeah, and also you know you've kind of learned to self govern yourselves. Right, it's a lot of like, well, he ain't bothering anybody. He comes in town, he does his business, he leaves, and that's what a lot of the Lost in Larima podcast goes into these interpersonal relationships and how they developed over time and how. It is this kind of laissez-faire attitude of if you aren't super-duper close with somebody, you maybe wouldn't go poking around and bug them if they're mm-hmm. missing. But the police, they have to ask. And, yeah. You know, That's they're kind like, of their job is to go poking around. <laughs> they're like, you know? what may fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Cracks open a, a foster's. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. As the investigation proceeded, tips came in steadily. Theories ranged from Patty faking his own death to avoid being killed by drug dealers to actually being killed by drug dealers. Journalist and editor Mark Wilton told writers Graham and Stevenson that he and his wife were sure they saw Patty alive right after his disappearance. The couple was driving down the Stewart Highway on December 19th, three days after Patty had gone missing. They saw a small tan man in a hat with a large mustache in a town 180 kilometers or 111 miles south of Larima. The man was walking with a black and tan dog similar to Kelly. A van was parked nearby, partially obscured by trees. Days later, Wilton saw a post on Facebook about Patty's case. He and his wife were sure the man they had seen was Patty. They called the tip into police who investigated and determined there was no evidence to support the lead. But Mark Wilton told Graham and Stevenson, I'll go to my grave convinced we saw Patty. Sergeant Mark Allen of the Northern Territory Police believes Patty faking his death would be unlikely due to the amount of sophistication it would take, as well as Patty's various medical needs. And that was something else that uh, Detective Sergeant Allen talked about was start looking for what they would call signs of life in mm-hmm. the um, you know weeks, days, weeks, and months immediately following that of like any access of his bank accounts, any access of his um, you know renewing his prescription medication that he had a heart condition for. So he you know you can't live without it. So you would need to get a refill somewhere and use of his pass you know any kind of driver's license, passport, anything like that. When all and- that was at his house too, along with all his modes of transportation. Yeah, it's like unless you got snatched up by something while you were out there, which uh, Richard Simpson, the bar- bartender, was like, aliens didn't take Patty, and if they had, they'd have dropped him off by now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's that's a if somebody that looked like Patty was spotted, and, and Mark Wilton was sure it was him, but if it was him, he would have left every single thing behind mm-hmm. and had to have a completely fresh start, which if you're 70, that seems like a lot. It'd be like, nah. Yeah, it seems unlikely to me that that would be him, but. Wouldn't it have been nice if it was? And he was living his life the way he wanted to. Yeah, that him and Kelly were alive. Mm -hmm. Long-term Larima resident Barry Burke, also known as Cookie, told officials he didn't think anyone would hurt Patty, saying, Hey, he's a bit of a shitster, but not enough for anyone to knock him off. If Patty hadn't gone out of town to visit friends, Cookie reasoned, He'd probably gone off for a walk with his dog and fallen into his sinkhole. Police dismissed this theory. Several thorough searches turned up no signs of a body having been dumped or having fallen into any area within walking distance of Larima. Kelly would also likely have come back to town if Patty had a medical episode or died via accident. Which obviously this seems like the most likely circumstance because they said 38,000 people a year go missing in Australia. Like every one every three hours just is never to return. That is such a staggering 
statistic. And when they said that on, I think we even had to pause and rewind and be like, did we hear that right? One one person every three hours goes missing in Australia. And because so much of it is Mm -hmm. the the bush where, you know, and the the climate and the terrain and the animals and everything is just so unforgiving that they say people go out there all the time to camp or for a hike, they get lost, they get turned around, and then they succumb to the elements or a sinkhole swallows yeah, them dude. up or they fall off the edge of the earth. Well, that's what you think too. And, and the, like you said, the climate was a big deal because around this time it was around a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. And so if he had gone walking, he would not have been able to make, he's 70 years old, even though he's you know, experienced in the bush and stuff, you can only stand so much heat and distance. And that, yeah, if the dog would run back to the, and they said they, they would be able to notice carrion, like, like mm-hmm. uh, the type of birds of prey that would eat carrion. Like mm-hmm. they would, you know, they Vultures. didn't see any of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unsurprisingly, Fran Hodgetts became a prime suspect in Patty's disappearance. The tea house owner and Patty had been in the midst of a decades long feud when he went missing. It certainly didn't help that just four days before Patty was last seen, he had thrown a dead kangaroo on Fran's property directly beneath her bedroom window. Authorities wondered if this may have been the breaking point for Fran. However, the exotic meat pie maker remained adamant she had nothing to do with Patty's disappearance, as did the other Larimer townsfolk. Probably the number one thing I love about Fran is that although she was the suspect and there's old footage of her being like, I had a lot of problems with him, that in current, after she's already been accused, current footage, she's like, I hated Patty. He's a piece of, like, she just, she doesn't try to save herself. She's just like, I didn't kill him. Absolutely. I didn't kill him. But also he sucked. Like she just, she's not speaking yeah. in like, like pussyfooting around. No, she also has um kind of a sly grin on her face <laughs> in all of the interviews on the documentary. Like, no, I don't know what happened to him. Yeah. She said, With just she goes, like this shitty <laughs> grin on her face the whole time you're like, do you, Fran, or do you really know what happened to him? In my notes, I wrote down, she said, as much as I hated the man, I don't know what happened to him. But like, she's like, she said, I hated him. I wanted to be gone. She said, everything's better with him gone. Um, <laughs> I didn't do it, but it's awesome. And it's but like, it, okay. it worked out for me. <laughs> yeah, it did. It's sometimes mm-hmm. things are convenient for you, even if you are not responsible directly. Mm-hmm. In early June of 2018, a coronial inquest was convened to determine the cause and manner of Patty's death. Despite having no body, the counsel assisting the coroner asked the court to convene early, given the advanced ages and health conditions of the witnesses involved. Fran's mysterious gardener, Owen Laurie, testified to his background. He worked on the railways until his mid-30s, then worked in the timber industry, in the mines, and on a cattle station. In August of 2017, Owen saw Fran's newspaper ad for a gardener slash caretaker role. He interviewed with Fran down in Larima, during which she told him that Patty had poisoned her plants. Owen told Fran in their first meeting that had he known about the feud with Patty, he never would have come. And that's just a big, beautiful bush with like pink yeah, flowers and everything. And he would go and pour stuff on it to kill it just because he hated her. Because they just hated each other. I mean, it, it was... Just- Honest, just these mean-spirited, malicious things that he would do to her. And, you know, she didn't retaliate in the ways of, like, going over to his property and doing stuff. She, you know, bad-mouthed them and everything. But he was 
throwing dead animals on her lawn and, you know, taking her livelihood away out there, there's not a lot of jobs. So if you're, in fact, are there any except working at the pub and then you're, Tea house. tea house where you're relying on tourists and people traveling through to stop. And if you've got somebody that's like, don't go over there. It's full of dead dog. You're like, oh, well, go- now all of a sudden, like, I'm a 70-year-old woman whose health is failing. I have no income. Mm-hmm. And this guy is making my life miserable every single day. Right. And it's just these small, it seems like small things, but when that's your whole life and it's not like, oh, you know, I have a neighbor that's, I'm having a tough time with my neighbor, but I have this whole other big world to Mm -hmm. continue. That's your whole entire world. And it's, she seems in her, in the interviews, like she is on like fight or flight mode. Like she's like fighting, like she, it's takes a toll on you. If you're almost, you're the person in town when you haven't been to the pub that everybody calls home in 15 years. And for the character study that this is, it's like, that's something to study of like what happens when someone is isolated and mistreated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have no other outlet, you know, Mm -hmm. or support system. This is also where, uh, we first hear of this gardener, Owen, who in the footage from, you know, the years prior when, the they were doing interviews and stuff in Larima of just the the townsfolk. Yeah, he hadn't moved there yet. He and then he's seen in some later uh, footage, just kind of walking around, tending to the plants, tending to, but always head down, usually shirtless, not making eye contact, doesn't talk to anybody, and everyone in town's like, "Oh yeah, we don't we don't talk to him. Uh, That's he only Fran's talks guy. to Fran." Yeah. He lives in the shed behind her house. I mm-hmm. don't know. He came. Where's Where's he from? I don't know. From no out of idea. town. No he idea. He answered a newspaper ad, showed up, and she was like, all right. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. now he just lives in the shed behind grandma's house. Again, not a lot of questions asked because he, he was the type of person that didn't want a lot of questions asked, as were a lot of these people. Right. It's like, my question is, can you do this work in this place? And I don't really have a whole lot of other applicants. Mm-hmm. And I also don't have a whole lot of worries. As long as you do what you say you're going to do, I'll pay you. You can live here for free. And that's about as far as our relationship goes. Right. We're good to go. Owen stayed anyway, living in a small bungalow on Fran's property in exchange for work. A mysterious presence, Owen spoke only to Fran and was rarely seen by others in town. He testified that he heard a lot about Patty, but only spoke to the man once on the morning of December 13th, 2017, four days before Patty's disappearance. Barry Sharp, the pub owner, testified that before his disappearance, Patty mentioned having ongoing arguments with Owen. Others in town also had run-ins with Owen and his dog, but only Patty retaliated by throwing a dead kangaroo over Fran's fence. After the kangaroo incident, Owen admitted to Fran he'd had a conversation with Patty that day, explaining, I've just had words with him about the dog coming across the road. In his testimony, Owen admitted to telling Patty, Keep your fucking dog at home. When Kelly crossed the highway, according to Owen, Patty replied, Shut up. Bartender Richard Simpson testified that he saw this exchange, though he was too far away to hear what exactly was being said. So we're confirming that on the morning of December 13th, so four days before Patty went, they're just hollering at each other again over what now? Patty throwing a kangaroo in their yard. 
and the dogs running back and forth. Because Owen brought a dog as well. He brought, I believe, a pit bull from uh, the town he was in to move mm-hmm. and live there with him. So then his dog would run at or lunge at. I think Richard Simpson had two dogs that he had had a little bit of a scuffle. Richard Simpson didn't throw a kangaroo in Fran's yard after that, no. in fact. No. Um, but then that Ke- was extreme. Yeah, so that was extreme. And so then Kelly uh, would run across and everything, and that would jump the fence and run around their garden and mess up their flowers. Did she do it because she was just having fun? Or was Patty like, here, go catch that stick and go run? I don't Mm -hmm. know. But just more of this poking, poking. And now he's not just poking Fran. He's poking this rando stranger in the shed behind Fran's house that you don't know where he's from or what he's up to. No. Sinisterhood will be right back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. According to Patty, the scuffle with Owen began after Patty had asked Owen to stop his dog from barking. Owen then threatened the 70-year-old, saying, Shut your mouth or I'll take your knees out from under you. According to Fran, Owen bragged about chasing Patty back to his house after their tense encounter and called Patty, Wake his piss. Knowing he had a temper, Fran had warned Owen not to do anything stupid as she was going out of town to run errands, saying, I don't want to have to come back and bail you out of jail. Yeah, she says in the documentary that he had a temper and that um, he, you know, they'd gotten into it on more than one occasion, but kind of had come to an agreement of you live there, you do your thing. I don't ask you questions. I keep to myself. And, you know, this is how our relationship goes. Yeah, and it's uh, at least I'm not the target of it. And in fact, if you were felt like one in town who had been targeted, like Fran, it probably felt nice to have somebody on your side and have somebody living with you that would holler and take up for you. Mm-hmm. Although you're like, let's not get the law called. Calm down and stop screaming. One does have to wonder if there was some encouragement from Fran to Owen to why don't you go over there and say something to this guy? Yeah. Or even if you don't say something overt and say, I wish you'd go over there and say something, say, it's just really hard when he picks on me. Mm-hmm. And Owen was a big man. Yes. Big, imposing presence. Uh, scary looking. Yes. During the hearing, Owen also admitted that he had said, If anyone touches my plants, it'll be the first murder in Larimer but insisted it was simply a turn of phrase and that he had had no intention to murder anybody over a garden. Finally, Owen testified that the night of December 16th, 2017, he received a malware alert on his computer. 
He claimed he walked to the town's payphone and made two calls to the numbers in the alerts. When neither connected, he went home. And it's also very important to note the location of the payphone is directly within speaking distance of Patty's house. It's right on the road, kind of directly between where Fran lives and where Patty lives. So it's all within holler and distance. If you were standing at the payphone, you could talk to either person on either porch. Yes. You know, at the time that he's saying this happened, it's three, four in the morning or something. So very quiet outside, I would imagine. Uh, Also wild that they have a town payphone. You got to, I guess, just in case if somebody pulls over and there's no cell phone reception, you got to be able to call for help. Yeah. But it's just something that Mm -hmm. you don't see anymore. Now, back in the 90s and 80s, all the time. I remember my school in middle school, we had a payphone outside the gym and I used it quite frequently to call my parents or even in high school, we had a payphone there. But when was the last time you saw a payphone? Oh, on tour. I, Cause you know, I just go wandering around downtown areas. I saw one and I'm trying to remember the city we were in. Cause I know what street I was. It might be in Portland, possibly. Mm. I'm remembering a place where I got a, a gluten-free pastry. And I was like, <laughs> it was on the way to that pastry place. I can't remember the place, but even just having a payphone out there, I always just wondered how did, is it just a really long cord? Like, how do you connect it? Where does it go to? What does it connect to? I don't understand it's going how to the dirt? work, period. Uh, so it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-mm. Yeah. Even with, I don't know why, for some reason, a cell phone, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it catches the shit out of the air. That's how it works. <laughs> how do I understand that more than like, we got just one big long cord going all the way back to where? Phone Central? Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. This Phone City, that's where they all connect. And then- <laughs> Phone City. Somebody USA. <laughs> somebody just connects- Connects it like back in the old days with receptionists. Yeah, just plug and Paris's play. grandma used to do that. She was like the phone lady in Philly, downtown Philly. Oh, I love it. What a job. The initial inquest was adjourned after two days of testimony, but no finding was made as to the cause of Patty's death. As the police investigation continued, COVID delayed further hearings. Nearly four years later, in April of 2022, the second inquest hearing began. According to the inquest document, during the time between hearings, the police listed a reward of $250,000 and received further information and allegations. At this second inquest hearing, it was revealed that on December 28, 2017, police had obtained a warrant and installed a listening device in Owen Laurie's home. The recordings were apparently of Owen singing and talking to himself. On eight different occasions, He used suspicious language, including multiple mentions of a claw hammer, patty, and a dog. A recording from February 14, 2018, revealed something particularly shocking. On the tape, Owen can be heard saying aloud to himself, Well, they didn't fucking find the hammer. Well, they can't get me for anything. A few weeks later, in a recording on February 23, 2018, Owen made another shocking admission. I killerated old Patty with that. Struck on the fucking head and killerated him. Basherated him. Doof. Yes, he did. Basherated him. Oh, me cock. Two days later, Owen had been recorded speaking in repeated phrases, saying things like, Fucking killer bastard. You fucking killed fucking Patty up the bum. You fucking killed Patty. Donged him on the head. You killed Patty and hit him on the head. Smacked him on the fucking nostrils with me claw hammer. Well, 
To be it's, first of all, legally, Owen claims it was not his voice on the mm-hmm, recording. He mm-hmm. said that at the inquest hearing, he claims it was not him. In a town where you're the only one living in the bungalow and it's a recording device, I would be concerned who was in my bungalow saying things like this. Mm-hmm. But that he, as soon as this came out, he said, I'm not going to make any other statements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is what I call Robert Dursting yourself. That's the moment that this is revealed in the documentary. We were all I'm like, like full disclosure. I have rewatched it since you and I watched it together because it was late and I was like awake and not, you know, I was like kind of, but this, I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And it's equally as shocking. And yeah, so specifically the language used, the uh, just hatred and vile words used to describe this are shocking is I know there's some other word more than that it's it's words that we also like don't hear a lot so to hear them in this sense it's extra eerie yeah and I think the the recordings to clarify haven't been released the audio that's in the documentary is an actor reenactment, as is in the Last Stop Larima podcast. They have actor reenactments. But I don't know really what tone you could ever take that would ever sound, uh, make any of this anything less incriminating. Yeah. Than, or at, at least it sure casts an interesting shadow on him and his role in everything because it's very specific to say claw hammer and also mentioned the dog and also mentioned the location where you bashed. And so the action it's all the things you would need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After the second hearing, the coroner concluded, in my opinion, Patty was killed in the context of, and likely due to the ongoing feud he had with his nearest neighbors. He likely died on the evening of 16 December, 2017. The feud included Patty poisoning Fran's plants and Kelly getting loose and jumping Fran's fence. Despite the alarming recordings of what many feel to be in confession, Owen Laurie was not arrested. Owen told authorities that was not his voice on the damning recordings, then exercised his right to remain silent to prevent further incriminating himself. Kylie Stevenson told ABC Australia, There are these recordings of the inquest that were pretty explosive, but... There's been no outcome, and there's still these other possibilities. It's this thing that's still very unclear and very murky. Fran also continued to deny any involvement, including the accusation that she paid someone $10,000 to kill Patty. Fran's nephew, Brent Cilia, who now runs the tea house due to his aunt's failing health, described the torment his aunt has suffered because of the allegations. There's been a world of abuse as people drive past the house, also phone calls, people have called her and said stuff to her. There's been vandalism at the shop, people have painted over signs that I've repainted over, rubbish gets thrown and stuff goes missing from under the house. Britt claims the abuse is mostly from outsiders visiting Larima, not fellow residents, and that it has taken a toll on Fran. The way she has to live now and seclude herself is making her feel lonely and depressed and emotionally in a bad way. And that's with Patty gone. I mean, she was already feeling those things with him there. And it's like, well, now you have a different set of problems. Yeah. And it's really one of those kind of be careful what you wish for, because not that I think she ever wished him dead, but I think she wished he would just be gone and leave. And you get that wish. But then the flip side is you have millions of strangers that don't know you 
seeing this headline going, oh, she's the Sweeney Todd lady. She cooked him mm-hmm. into a pie. It was her. She fed him to the crocodile. She's a monster. And you're, she's not alone out. I mean, she's alone out there, but she's not alone in the world. She's somebody's grandma. She's somebody's great grandma. And they describe one of her grandkids getting on Facebook going, oh my gosh, a death in Laramama was probably, you know, the elements and click on it. And the comments being like, Fran Hodgins is a murderer, 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 murderer. And he's like, Nan, no. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, truly, it's like, oh, God, I got to get out there. Mm-hmm. Bill Hodgetts and Barry Sharp have since passed away. However, with the arrival of a new young couple and their baby, the town's population has remained relatively the same. Happily, there appears to be way less infighting, with the addition of a baby having given new life to the town. The hotel has been renovated, roads have been repaired, and there is even talk of Larima becoming Australia's next boom town with Imperial Oil and Gas proposing to drill six exploration wells on the edge of the town to tap into the Northern Territory's gas-rich Beetalo Basin, according to ABC Australia. The potential for added growth has many of the older residents concerned that their isolated paradise may soon be overrun with noise and people. And there, I think they, it's like 6,000 hectares, some huge portion of it just got uh, assigned to become a watermelon plantation. Like they're going to plant a watermelon grove and they're going to have, obviously you're going to produce enough watermelons that you're going to now have to have, whether it's trucks to take them out Mm -hmm. or something. I mean, so no matter what, it's this double-edged sword of progress, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and Brent, who is running the tea house now, said, you know, I get it. The the older residents here, I don't want anything taken away from them and why they moved here to be, you know, have a little more isolation and space. At the same time, my business depends on people coming through town. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if, if people see people in the courtyard eating, they're way more likely to stop than if it's just a deserted place. So it's kind of like you said, be careful what you wish for. Um, but also they, the residents there have said we're all in our seventies and eighties. Yeah. You know, I mean, with when two of them die, like you start to see like your friends just are dwindling and no one's getting any younger. And then a new couple does move in a young yeah. couple with a baby. And it was, it reminded me of children of men, how like these people haven't seen a baby in so long. And then, you know, it's like, literal new life is burst into this town and true in the documentary you see the older residents like holding this baby and seeing like the light on their faces kind of returning of like this is what you know it's a reminder of youth and like the of hope and and what could be all that to say if no one new moves in the town just it goes away everyone that's there is is dying off so like if you want it to continue some people are going to have to move in and there's going to have to be growth and that might be in the way of like things happening that makes it less isolated but more sustainable and you know you, you can more people can live there that's a good way to put it a less isolated but more sustainable but still i mean it's still going to remain isolated just given its location but For sure. it is fascinating this concept of the good old days because in some of the 2011 footage and and even you know some of the the more recently shot footage where they're like, oh, well, what was it like, you know, when you first moved here in the 80s? Oh, that was the good old days, mm-hmm. mate. Well, then the, what happened in 2017, now six years later of like, oh, it sucks now. That was the good old days before Patty died. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, now they're going to build something. Well, now 2023 was the good old days before the fucking oil and gas people moved in. But it's just, you can't really be resistant to change because by nature of just, 
a town is defined by the humans in it, that it's always going to change mm-hmm. by who comes and goes and leaves and ages and dies. And Fran doesn't even live there anymore. She had to go live as at least as of the book, she was living in Melbourne getting breast cancer mm-hmm. treatment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, Which it's just why her nephew kind of took over. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, a weird dichotomy of like, we want things to be preserved yet. We also realize that at some point, everyone here will die off. And unless new life comes to this town, Larima will cease to exist. Yeah. It's like the ship of Theseus of towns. Like, yeah. a, is it still the same town since everybody's now been replaced by somebody? Mm-hmm. Sinisterhood will be right back. Patty's mysterious and tragic case has been the subject of multiple books, award-winning podcasts, and a recent HBO documentary directed by Thomas Tancred, and produced by the Duplass brothers. Indeed, no one has been arrested for the disappearance or murder of Patty, a misstep which has left a hole in the community, according to Brent Cilia. It's not solved. It's not closed. Nothing's happening. It's just left in the unknown still. According to Sergeant Allen of the Northern Territory Police, the case remains open and police are still looking for information. He told The Guardian, Even if you don't think you have any useful information, the smallest clue may be just what we need to resolve the case. Anyone with information, or who was in Larima at the time of Patty's disappearance, who hasn't already come forward, is asked to contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-333-000. So what do we think? Well, for me, it's that question of... What is going to happen now? Because I think you're not going to be able to solve Patty's death in the, so far as knowing exactly what happened forensically. Because you can't, I think he got washed away with the monsoon. Wherever he, wh- whatever happened to him in or around or near his house, I think he was taken somewhere and disposed of in a place, he and Kelly both. And whatever elements took him, took him, whether that was. Thomas Tankard said that he he was talking to folks and, you know, kind of going, well, you know, kind of off the record. What do you really think happened? And they basically said, if you drive south of here, there is nothing. There's maybe there's not even gas stations. There's not security cameras. It is darkness and woods and nothing. And you don't have to go very far to be able to put a body out. And there are animals that will eat the flesh of the body. And then there are other feral pigs that will come and eat the bones of the body. And there will be nothing you will see. And there's just going to be nothing left. So for, for that part of it, I'm sad that there's for, cause, because there's people that live, Mark and Karen, who were some of the newer residents, really love Patty. Mm-hmm. Barry Sharp's now passed away. But, you know, some of those folks that were there had fond memories and loved them. And that would be this idea of bringing something, someone home. More horrifying than that's a person, possibly, that has maybe, if these recordings are to be believed, has violently sh- killed an elderly gentleman over a feud about a dog and some garden stuff and is just loose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're capable of that, um, you're I. In my opinion, you're capable of pretty much anything. Once you've crossed that line, and you're willing to take another human's life over something like that, I mean, the the gloves are off at that point. I think you can do. You're capable of doing anything, including killing again. I. It's. I don't know if it's the law of the bush. The three days of waiting before he was reported missing combination of just mother nature, but I agree. I don't think it's going to be solved short of a 
confession, which many believe has already happened, what more do you need? But, you know, I mean, he he said that it wasn't his voice. And the part that's kind of confusing to me is the police put this recording device in his house somehow without him knowing. They get this, but he's like, no, it wasn't me. I'm not talking anymore. And then it's just dropped. Yeah, well, I mean, to say it's it's been a little bit over a year now since the recording was made public at this second inquest hearing. Because the first inquest hearing happened in June, but you're right, the timing is very interesting because let's just like distill the timeline down very quickly. Patty goes missing December 16th, 2017. The recording device is like 10 days later, 11 days later installed in Owen's house. The the recordings of Owen saying these things is February of 2018. Then the inquest is June, but the recordings don't come out at the June inquest in 2018. They're held for almost four more years while other investigations going on. Maybe the police didn't want to tip their hand and thought if we make him aware of these recordings, he's definitely not going to come and participate. He's not going to, he's going to go on the run. We're going to lose him. So maybe that's why they don't expect COVID to happen. And then, you know, by the time you can gather everybody back together, and I'm glad they held that initial, which would in another case be a premature hearing. But in this case, because everybody was having health problems, they're all Mm -hmm. in their 70s, you know, I'm glad they captured that sworn testimony. Because then when you come back, you can, you're not at least going, well, we would have interviewed everybody, but about 50% of the town's dead or moved. But I don't understand what more they need other than, I guess, if you are a jury does that get you there? There's no body. There's no, there's nothing other than this mm. recording. And yeah, but it still seems like they, I mean, and I don't know if the laws over there are different. So I'm going to explain it, how it happened in the States. But like, if you had an, an alleged confession it, or an admission of some sort was recorded, you would be taken down to the station and you would be questioned and interrogated for a really long time until something happened. And then maybe you don't have anything. So you let them go. But I imagine during that interrogation, like you're going to put some pieces together. Okay. It wasn't you. Well then who was it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, we need a name because we need to go talk to that person. We're not just going to let this go. It's a town of 12 people. This was in your house where you live by yourself you never have anybody over how it's just, yeah. It's, Nobody from out, out of town no. came to visit you. We all would have seen it. And it's, it's, um, it just seems very obvious in my opinion, based on the evidence at hand, what happened. Yeah. And somehow because of I, I, laws or how things are just different, like it's, it's not as an open and shut case over there as I think it could be yeah the question is then too if uh that would get into more uh australian your civil rights as far as like how they obtained a warrant so it sounds legit the only thing i could think that would maybe 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 work in owen's favor would be if they could prove there was some defect with the warrant and then you would you know, you quash the warrant that got the statement, then that statement can never be used. But right. I, I didn't see any evidence of that, that there was issues with the warrant. It may And just why be- wasn't it released at the first inquest? Because it was so timely that you're like, I mean, now it's like 
the longer it goes on, the less impactful I think it becomes. But if you release it right at the beginning, it's like, oh, well, this kind of answers all of our questions, right? Yeah. The only thing I can think of is that they thought if they released it too soon, he would run off. And for a person who kind of has no background, no, you know, it's like kind of uh, no ties is willing to just leave easily. It's not like a person with an established wife and kids and they've got a small business that they run and he can't just up and run in the night. He's a nameless gardener getting paid under the table in a bungalow in Laramo with 12 people. He could jump on a quad by he's gone. You know, we don't. Why, why wasn't that enough to arrest him? That's a great question. I, I would imagine it would fall under not a sufficient evidence because all you have is that statement. Yeah. And what if he says, I hated him and that was a fantasy that I had and I would sing that fantasy to myself yeah. all the time. And I just never, I got out of the habit of not, not uh, I just never got out of the habit of singing it even after he was dead. So yeah. I don't know. You can't prove a bush pig didn't run up out of the, the thing and get a hold of him and you know, I just sing that yeah. song to myself because it's a fantasy at night. And it's like. No, that's true. I mean, without any sort of evidence, I don't think a jury can convict on that. I still wonder if he had been held and um, some searches of the property had been done. Do we find a claw hammer? Do we find other things, other type of evidence, bloody clothes, something, you know? I mean, the mileage on his vehicle, you know, like, could you tell that like, oh, he just drove like a hundred miles out in the middle of nowhere and back to, and why is that? Why is he on the phone? Yeah. You know, who's he calling? It's not really malware in my opinion. It's a weird thing to say. I'm I'm calling about malware. Mm -hmm. No, at 5 a.m. or whatever. That's, it's, um, it's strange. I, I also just hypothetically, If you live in a bungalow behind someone's house that you work for, and that's the only person you talk to, and everything is so close and it's so quiet, hypothetically, I think it would be very difficult for someone to be killed on your property by someone that worked for you and you not know anything about that. Yeah. Uh, especially given the conversation between Patty and Owen about the dogs Mm -hmm. down at the bar, they could hear that. Yeah. And the, uh, I mean, on record, Owen admitted that he told Fran, I've had words with him about the dog. Owen knew that the kangaroo incident had occurred. He had said, if anybody does anything to my plants, that'll be the first murder in Larima. Uh, it, there's a lot of context that yes, there's no, there's no body. There's it's all circumstantial. When you ball up a bunch of circumstantial stuff, a lot of times for me, it it just answers the questions that I may have. Well, I think what you're, uh, what we're all struggling with is when you have something that seems like a glaring piece of evidence, 
but it's not sufficient for someone to be held legally culpable. We all have this gut feeling of like, but, 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 but come on, mm-hmm. two and two, four, right? And it's like, well, we have a two, and we have a space that could also be a two, but we don't have enough to say it's four. And that is where law school beats the emotion out of you a lot of times. It's like, <laughs> well, it just makes you, it makes me feel sick sometimes because of how I do think about things and be like, well, no, he he didn't do it. Legally speaking, Owen Laurie is innocent. He did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. He did nothing. What the gut feeling that folks may get from listening to our episode or listening to Lost in Larima, reading the book Larima, watching uh, Last Stop Larima on, docu- uh, on HBO is, I feel like I kind of know what happened here. Mm-hmm. And what, it's interesting to us that that, and I don't think it's interesting. I think it's natural for us that we want to see some kind of justice and like, what will that justice be? Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? And for the, you know, few folks that, that loved Patty and wanted his memory to live on, I think his memory will live on. He is more famous than he could have ever imagined. His story will go on and on forever. I hope his kids, wherever they are, will, uh, find some solace in their dad's story being told and can reconcile all that because that's a lot of pain coming given just given how they were even conceived Mm -hmm. that's a lot of pain and for the rest of us who want some kind of justice maybe something will somebody will pipe up that knows something somebody maybe is getting older doesn't have uh, a lot of more time left and will deathbed confess how much or how little they knew uh, or how much or how little they were involved one thing that's always struck me too is because it was late, it's mm-hmm. so quiet. If what was said on those recordings happened, for no one to hear that mm-hmm. is that raises eyebrows to me because it is such a violent way to attack and kill a person in an animal that I imagine that was not a uh, you know, that wasn't a quiet way to go. Yeah. Uh, and it may be, what was that screaming down there? And it's like, ah, they were watching TV or I don't know. Or you, everybody it just so happened that the circumstances were right, that people didn't hear it that night. But you're right. That sounds like um, a violent death. And especially, I mean, the disposal, it sounds like from Thomas Tankard was like, it's not that far to go and you could do it at night. Maybe when nobody heard, you know, crank up the old quad bike and, mm-hmm put whatever you want on the back or, or take care of it at home and then go take it somewhere. I don't know. But it seems like of all the scenarios, the coroner is the coroner's opinion is that Patty was killed by criminal means as a result of this ongoing feud and nobody else. I I don't think anybody's really pushing for any more justice than that. Yeah. And that might be like we've said the whole episode, People aren't trying to poke the bear out there, other residents, and get involved in people's stuff, even if it is your friend. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like the rules of the bush, like also maybe fear for themselves. You know, I mean, if you are like, oh, well, in a town of now 11 people, I'm pretty sure one of them killed our friend. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm not going to be the one to say anything because – Who's to say it couldn't happen again? 
Timeline-wise, uh, Owen moved to Larima August of 2017 and left about a year later. So the coronial inquest was June of 2018, and he left slightly thereafter. So that's a good point. I mean, what are you going to go around and confront people when you're 75 years old and, you know, you have extremely frail, not able to get around us? So you're not going to go fight somebody who killed your friend because – and Barry ended up – I believe he got pancreatic cancer. So they're just – they were all struck with these health issues mm-hmm. that the – few folks that may have still fought for him wouldn't be able to anymore. But my big takeaway, and like I said at the beginning, it gives me hope for all of humanity because the, I'm going to cry when I talk about this because her, Brent, I, th- I thought for some reason I thought Brent was her grandson, but her nephew, Brent, whoever's running the tea house that's related to Fran right now, he talked to Kylie and Caroline who wrote the book Larima, and he said, um, he's like, everybody said they hated each other, but he mm-hmm. said deep down they couldn't have because they didn't know each other. No, he said people in this town did not talk to her for 15 years. And like, think about what happens when you do that, when you cross your arms and you go, I know, fuck her. I know what she's going to say. I don't even have to talk to her. Mm -hmm. What does that do to you? What does that do to her? It's just eating more poison and expecting them to die. And he said he really hopes for a peaceful future because he said he was the youngest of eight siblings. And he said, it's basically like a family. And he said, mm-hmm. this town should be like a family. I'm the youngest of eight. There's eight people here. And he said, to me, it's like living with my family in that one house. We're all in this one town. We're all in it together. I know how it's got to work. You've got to be there for one another. Even if you do fight, you put that aside and you help each other. Perfectly said. And I think um, younger people moving in and hope having that same type of attitude will will be yeah the way to go and i hope that that can happen while some of the older residents are still there so they spend you know their final years in this place that they love and have called home for so long with happy memories and then it's like oh well we went out with the best it ever was instead of oh that's when it was good it's like no this is the best it's ever been and we're glad that we finally got to where we could all be in a place like this. Yes, finding that balance between we're a whimsical, weird outback town with a pink panther pub with this big ass pink panther that gets you to stop, but it's not also so funny because of how shitty they are to each other and how mm-hmm. much they hate each other and how much they torture and are mean to each other, which is there were these pockets of community. It was just so sad that the three pockets or two or three pockets were separate when they could have been so much happier and so much mm-hmm. stronger together. So I love that beautiful thought of like, peace can be achieved. We just have to talk to each other and we Mm -hmm. cannot ignore for 15 years because you can't hate somebody you haven't talked to for 15 years because you haven't talked to them. What a poignant observation from her nephew, grandson, whichever it may be, but that's, um, that's very self-aware and uh, beautiful. Yeah. To, to think like that. And I hadn't thought of it like that, but I, I totally agree. And it's just that dug in, I got to be right, I, yes. you know, and like you can't let stuff go. And it's holding, holding, holding these grudges. So tight. And, and it's like, who is that benefiting? It's like it becomes a competition of who can hold the grudge the longest or be the angriest or, or do the most hateful things. And at the end of the day, like – who, who, who is that for? Like, does yeah, that you really me, honestly you. make you feel better or does it drive a wedge between all of you to the point where it's 15 years and you haven't ha- talked to somebody and half the town is, is dying. Yeah. And you know, like think back to those early days when everyone was getting along, it's, 
it's sad that it, yeah. it, it came to that, but I hope that it's, we're on the precipice of like a new wave of Larima. Yeah, a new way of the the way of the bush, and it's a happy bush. <laughs> yeah, it's, and a it's happy, a, no, nobody can't likes do anything. a sad bush. I no, mean, that's universal. You can't have a sad bush because so many things are really to crawl out of that bush and fucking kill you <laughs> that have no conscience of any kind. No, so they're just living their fucking <laughs> lives. Y'all, if you hippo. think, yeah, it. it <laughs> Larima belongs to the Crocs and yeah. and the bush and like twelve people just happen to live there yes. and I think this that world they is not ours they do no and they I think they have a healthy respect for the mm-hmm. wildlife there and everything and and understand that you got to have that same respect for the humans there too you know even if it, you, yeah you just got to fight for even if you do fight you just got to be there for each other mm-hmm. you put it aside and help each other like a family and like a family and that's the only way to avoid the crocs getting you yeah. cannot help you with a sinkhole that no. shit's going to happen on its own sorry about you yeah. but god damn what a place what a what place and what a story and um what you know a story. If, if anybody has information like sergeant allen said it could be the smallest of things you mm-hmm. know Call Crime Stoppers 1-800-333-000 because regardless if he has no family left or no friends, no one deserves to go out like that. And yeah. everyone deserves to have justice for for themselves. It doesn't yeah. have to be for others. Just he and his dog deserve justice. Yeah, it's like you your existence as a human is what makes you worthy of mm-hmm. justice, not because of what you did or who you were, good, bad, and different. Um, and if you would like more Caroline Graham and Kylie Stevenson's book, uh, it's completely in depth and, uh, they are such a resource on this and, uh, would, were such a, such a help, such a help. Well, if you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see what we're up to next or dive into over 500 hours of bonus content. Heather, there's so much that we've posted recently. I I don't (laughs) even know. What all have we put up there recently? What have we been up to? Well, if you listen to our Battleship North Carolina episode, mm-hmm. we did a live stream Q&A where we answered questions and members of the Ghost Guild were in the chat also answering questions. So you can check out the replay of that live stream. We just had a true crime headlines where we talked about the recent influx, uh, flux of terroristic mail that's going out to election offices. That's um, we, wild yeah. and scary. Very scary. We also talked about the murder out of Minot, North Dakota, um, that was a poisoning murder that just happened. And we have a Am I the Asshole coming up for you this week. So a little asshole to enjoy if you're, uh, you know, want to get rid of, you get away from your family, you're stuffed with the turkey, you'd be like, mm-hmm. I gotta, I'm going to go for a walk. Go for a walk. Let the turkey digest. Listen to some assholes. Or you're like, Okay, Uncle Dave, we're all tired of hearing you talk about your politics. Let's listen to this podcast. It just so happens to be an Am I the Asshole segment. Hmm. Perfect. Oh, and we also have the um, Battleship North Carolina video of our paranormal investigation up on our YouTube. You can go check that out, as well as a recent live show we had in Dallas. You can check out the slideshow where... I don't want to say that we solved what happened with the assassination of JFK, but I think we're on to something. I just need to figure out how we can send our theory to Oliver Stone. He's the only one that can help. Oliverstone at gmail.com. 
That's it. That's just, that's, it's Oliver. A lot of people think it's Oliver Dot Stone. It's not. That's a different guy. <laughs> that's a guy named Oliver who sells stones. But director Oliver Stone, yeah. just Oliver Stone. But also together. Oliver Stone at gmail.com is not the director Oliver Stone. It's Oliver's tone. And yeah. it's just like um, a musician named Oliver. And he's just like, I'm so tired ding, of getting ding, ding. people's theories about what happened to JFK. That is not me. It's Oliver underscore stone at gmail.com. It's yes. probably what his email is. He got it's actually probably at hotmail.com. Let's be real, but <laughs> at AOL.com. Burn on Oliver Stone. <laughs> well, it's uh it was a fun live show and a great slideshow. So you can check that Thank out you. too. It's up on our Patreon for free. You don't even have to subscribe to a tier. We'd like to do fun stuff for um all the ones that want to just sign up free to see what we're up to. And then you'll also get notifications when we do other stuff. So you can decide, Oh, maybe I want to upgrade my tier to hear what these two idiots are talking about this week. <laughs> Here's some assholes. <laughs> uh, we can also go to sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner to check out sinisterhood merch, like t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, and even clothes for your kiddos for a limited time only. We also have some sales going on over at our TikTok shop. So go to our TikTok page at Sinisterhood Podcast and check out the shop over there. They do the the sales. Like TikTok, uh, you just I just log in and I'm like, oh, this is on sale. Yeah, cool. So, they do their own thing. <laughs> you can also check out all of our super funny TikToks that Paris oh. makes it funny. Also creative, interesting, you know, some, <laughs> some are morbid, but they're also, they're all very good no matter what the subject is. It's like the show. Is it funny or sad? Depends on what day it is. It's, I don't know. It's, yeah. Who knows? While you're on our website, you can also review the show, follow us on socials and check out the episode description for sources used during our research. You'll also find fun things like topic-based playlists and links to live show tickets. And also for any recent patrons that have recently signed up, make sure you stick around after our sign off so you can hear your shout out. You can follow us on Instagram and threads at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. And you can follow us on YouTube to see videos of all kinds, episodes, clips, and more at Sinisterhood Podcast. Same uh, handle as our TikTok. And head over to Cameo where you can order custom personalized video shout outs. It's the perfect gift for somebody who already has everything. And you're like, they got the sweatshirt. They got the sticker. They got the mug. What else can I get them? Get them a Cameo. Cameos are so much fun if you want to see how people react. You can see me and Christy reacting to our own cameos. I got her one from Fiona the Hippo, and she got me one from Zach Guilford, a.k.a. the biggest Sinisterhood fan in the world and <laughs> our future best friend. Uh, but we put that for free on Patreon as well if you want to see that. But uh, a cameo as a recipient of one, uh, I'm no Zach Guilford, I'll tell you that. But it's a super fun I'm time no whenever. Oh, no, no, I can no never. No one no, none of us are. But it's great when they open it up. It's such a huge surprise. And we also have 24-hour delivery if it's somebody's birthday or your anniversary and you forgot. Uh, yeah. So go to Cameo.com. Just tell us what you want the video to say. And uh, it's one of our favorite things to do. So head over there and uh, book it now. Yeah, great holiday gift, especially Perfect. if it's like, you know – the eve of Christmas and Shit. you're like, oh, whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, have a, we'll pick a cutoff time that's reasonable, but me and you will probably just be together doing cameos like <laughs> the day or the, you know, the evening before. But that's what we're there for. We've mm -hmm. got your back if you forgot. Because that's two people who often forget gifts for others. Like, at least me. I will be oh, like, all the time. oh, God damn it. I got to go in the store on my way to the party. Yep. Uh, that's a perfect way to do it. Where are you at online, Christy? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather, where are you? I'm on the internet at Heather versus the world. 
As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shoutouts. Bailey Bond. Sarah. Amethyst Dahlia GM30. Megan Keebler. Tia Weiler. Allie Edwards. Patty Sotolongo. Tammy Cardosh. Jen Wallander. Alex Peterson. Kate. Shauna Temple. Zoe Lisak. And B Don't Brunch. Thank you all so much for supporting this show. We could not do this without you. We sincerely love and appreciate you. We're so grateful for you during this season of being thankful. We could not be more thankful for you all. We hope you pronounced your names correctly. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. Mwah. Say-